Section 1 of The Blue Behemoth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Chris Fong. The Blue Behemoth by Lee Brackett. Bucky Shannon leaned forward across the little hexagonal table. He knocked over the pitcher of Thill, but it didn't matter. The pitcher was empty. He jabbed me in the breastbone with his forefinger, not very hard. Not hard enough to jar the ribs clean loose, just enough to spring them. We, he said, are broke. We are finished through, washed up and down the drain. He added, as an afterthought, destitute. I looked at him. I said sourly, You're kidding. Kidding? Shannon put his elbows on the table and peered at me through a curtain of very blonde hair that was trying hard to be red. He says I'm kidding. With Shannon's Imperial Circus, the greatest show in space, plastered so thick with attachments, it's no more plastered than you are. I was sore because he'd been a lot quicker grabbing the pitcher. The greatest show in space? Phooey. I've wet-nursed Shannon's Imperial Circus around the Triangle for eleven years. And I know. It's lousy. It's mangy. It's broken down. Nothing works. From the ship to the roustabouts, in short, it stinks. I must have had the pitcher oftener than I thought. Nobody insults Buckhalter Shannon's Imperial Circus to Buckhalter Shannon's face, unless he's tired and wants a long rest in the comfy fracture frame. Shannon got up. He got up slowly. I had plenty of time to see his gray-green eyes get sleepy and hear the quarter-earth-blood Martian girl wailing about love over by the battered piano and watched the slanting cat eyes of the little dark people at the tables swing round toward us, pleased and kind of hungry. I had plenty of time to think how I only weigh 137 to Shannon's 175, and how I'm not as young as I used to be. I said, Bucky, hold on, fella, I... Somebody said, Excuse me, gentlemen. Is one of you Mr. Buckhalter Shannon? Shannon put his hands down on his belt. He closed his eyes and smiled pleasantly and said, very gently, Would you be collecting for the feed bill or the fuel? I shot a glance at the newcomer. He'd saved me from a beating, even if he was a lousy bill collector. And I felt sorry for him. Bucky Shannon settled his shoulders and hips like a dancer. The stranger was a little guy. He even made me look big. He was dressed in dark green synthesilk, very conservative. There was a powdering of gray in his hair, and his skin was pink, soft, and shaved painfully clean. He had the kind of a face that nice maiden ladies will trust with their last dime. I looked for his strong-arm squad. There didn't seem to be any. The little guy looked at Shannon with pale blue eyes like a baby, 
and his voice was softer than Bucky's. He said, I don't think you understand. I felt cold suddenly between the shoulders. Somebody scraped a chair back. It sounded like he'd ripped the floor open. It was so quiet. I got my brassies on and my hands were sweating. Bucky shan inside and let his fist start traveling, a long, deceptive arc. Then I saw what the little guy was holding in his hand. I yelled and knocked the table over into Bucky. It made a lot of noise. It knocked him sideways and down, and the little dark men jumped up, quivering and showing their teeth. The Martian girl screamed. Bucky heaved the table off his lap and cursed me. What's eating you, Jig? I'm not going to hurt him. Shut up, I said. Look what he's got there. Money. The little guy looked at me. He hadn't turned a hair. Yes, he said. Money. Quite a lot of it. Would you gentlemen permit me to join you? Bucky Shannon got up. He grinned his pleasantest grin. Delighted. I'm Shannon. This is Jig Bentley, my business manager. He looked down at the table. I'm sorry about that. Mistaken identity. The little guy smiled. He did it with his lips. The rest of his face stayed placid and babyish, almost transparent. I realized with a start that it wasn't transparent at all. It was the most complete deadpan I ever met. And you couldn't see into those innocent blue eyes any more than you could see through sheet metal. I didn't like him. I didn't like him at all. But he had money. I said, Howdy, let's go find a booth. These marshies make me nervous, looking like hungry cats at a mouse hole. The little guy nodded. Excellent idea. My name is Beamish. Simon Beamish. I wish to, uh, charter your circus. I looked at Bucky. He looked hungrier than the Marshies did. We didn't say anything until we got Beamish into a curtained booth with a fresh pitcher of Phil on the table. Then I cleared my throat. What exactly did you have in mind, Mr. Beamish? Beamish sipped his drink made a polite face, and put it down. I have independent means, gentlemen. It has always been my desire to lighten the burden of life for those less fortunate. Bucky got red around the ears. Just a minute, he murmured and started to get up. I kicked him under the table. Shut up, you lug. Let Mr. Beamish finish. He sat down, looking like a mean dog waiting for the postman. Beamish ignored him. He went on, quietly. I have always held that entertainment of the right sort is the most valuable aid humanity can have in its search for the alleviation of toil and boredom. I said, sure, sure, but what was your idea? 
There are many towns along the Venusian frontiers where no entertainment of the proper sort has been available. I propose to remedy that. I propose to charter your circus, Mr. Shannon, to make a tour of several settlements along the Tahara Belt. Bucky had relaxed. His gray-green eyes began to gleam. He started to speak, and I kicked him again. That would be expensive, Mr. Beamish, I said. We'd have to cancel several engagements. He looked at me. I was lying, and he knew it. But he said, I quite understand that. I would be prepared. The curtains were yanked back suddenly. Beamish shut up. Bucky and I glared at the head and shoulders poking in between the drapes. It was Gao, our zoo man, a big ugly son of a gun from a Terran colony on Mercury. I was there once. Gao looked a lot like the scenery, scowling, unapproachable, and tough. His hands, holding the curtains apart, had thick black hair on them and were not much larger than the hams of a Venusian swamp rhino. He said, Boss, Gertrude's acting up again. Gertrude be blowed, growled Bucky. Can't you see I'm busy? Gao's black eyes were unpleasant. I'm telling you, boss, Gertrude ain't happy. She ain't had the right food. If something... I said, that'll be all taken care of, Gao. Run along now. He looked at me like he was thinking it wouldn't take much timber to fit me for a coffin. Okay, but Gertrude's unhappy. She's lonesome, see? And if she don't get happier pretty soon, I ain't sure your tin-pot ship'll hold her. He pulled the curtains too and departed. Bucky Shannon groaned. Beamish cleared his throat and said, rather stiffly, Gertrude? Yeah, she's kind of temperamental. Bucky took a quick drink. I finished for him. She's the star attraction of our show, Mr. Beamish. A real blue swamp Venusian Kansin. The only other one on the triangle belongs to Savit Brothers, and she's much smaller than Gertrude. She was also much younger, but I didn't go into that. Gertrude may be a little creaky, but she's still pretty impressive. I only hoped she wouldn't die on us because without her, we'd have a sicker-looking circus than even I could stand. Beamish looked impressed. A Kansin. Well, well. The mystery surrounding the origin and species of the Kansin is a fascinating subject. The extreme rarity of the animal. We were getting off the subject. I said tactfully, We'd have to have at least a hundred UCs. It was twice what we had any right to ask. I was prepared to dicker. Beamish looked at me with that innocent deadpan. For a fraction of a second, 
I thought I saw something back of his round blue eyes, and my stomach jumped like it was shot. Beamish smiled sweetly. I'm not much of a bargainer. One hundred universal credits will be agreeable to me. He dragged out a roll as big as my two fists, peeled off half a dozen credit slips, and laid them on the table. By way of a retainer, gentlemen, my attorney and I will call on you in the morning with a contract and itinerary. Good night. We said good night, trying not to drool. Beamish went away. Bucky made grab for the money, but I beat him to it. Scram, I said. There are guys waiting for this. Big guys with clubs. Here. I gave him a small denomination slip I'd been holding out. We can get lushed enough on this. Shannon has a good vocabulary. He used it. When he got his breath back, he said suddenly, Beamish is pulling some kind of a game. Yeah? It may be crooked. Sure, and he may be screwball and on the level. For Pete's sake, I yelled. You want to sit here till we all dry up and blow away? Shannon looked at me, kind of funny. He looked at the bulge in my tunic where the roll was. He raked back his thick, light hair. Yeah, he said. I hope there'll be enough lift to bribe the jury. He poked his head outside. Hey, boy, more thildatum. It was pretty late when we got back to the broken-down spaceport where Shannon's Imperial Circus was crouching beneath its attachments. Late as it was, they were waiting for us, about twenty of them, sitting around and smoking and looking very ugly. It was awfully lonesome out there, with the desert cold and restless under the two moons. There's a smell to Mars, like something dead and dried long past decay but still waiting. An unhappy smell. The blown red dust gritted in my teeth. Bucky Shannon walked out into the glare of the light at the entrance to the roped-off space around the main lock. He was pretty steady on his feet. He waved and said, Hiya, boys! They got up off the steps and the packing cases and came toward us. I grinned and got into my brassies. We felt we owed those boys a lot more than money. It grates on a man's pride to have to sneak in and out of his own property through the sewage lock. This was the first time in weeks we'd come in at the front door. I waved the money in their faces. That stopped them. Very solemnly, Bucky and I checked the bills, paid them, and pocketed the receipts. Bucky yawned and stretched sleepily. Now? he said. Now, I said. We had a lot of fun. Some of the boys inside the ship came out to join in. We raised a lot of dust, and nobody got killed, quite. We all went home happy. They had their money, and we had their blood. 
The news was all over the ship before we got inside. The freaks and the green girl from Tethys, who could roll herself like a hoop, and Zert, the muscle man from Jupiter, and all the other assorted keeks and kinksters and joeys that make up the usual corny carny were doing nip-ups in the passageways and drooling over the thought of steer and toppings. Bucky Shannon regarded them possessively, wiping blood from his nose. They're good guys, Jig. Swell people. They stuck by me, and I've rewarded them. I said, sure, rather sourly. Bucky hiccuffed. Let's go see Gertrude. I didn't want to see Gertrude. I never got over feeling funny going into the brute tank, especially at night or out in space. I'm a city guy myself. The smell and sound of wildness gives me goosebumps. But Bucky was looking stubborn, so I shrugged. Okay, but just for a minute. Then we go Betty by. You're a pal, Jeff. Best little guy in the world. The fight had just put the topper on him. I was afraid he'd fall down the ladder and break his neck. That's why I went along. If I hadn't... Oh well, what's a few nightmares among friends? It was dark down there in the tank. Way off at the other end, there was a dim glow. Gao was evidently holding Gertrude's hand. We started down the long passageway between the rows of cages and glassed-in tanks and compression units. Our footsteps sounded loud and empty on the iron floor. I wasn't near as happy as Shannon, and my skin began to crawl a little. It's the smell, I think. Rank and sour and wild. And the sound of them, breathing and rustling in the dark, with the patient hatred walled around them as strong as the cage bars. Bucky Shannon lurched against me suddenly. I choked back a yell and then wiped the sweat off my forehead and cursed. The scream came again, a high, ragged, whistling screech like nothing this side of hell, ripping through the musty darkness. Gertrude on the wailing wall. It had been quiet. Now every brute in the place let go at the same time. My stomach turned clear over. I called Gertrude every name I could think of, and I couldn't hear myself doing it. Presently, a great metallic clash nearly burst my eardrums, and the beasts shut up. Gao had them nicely conditioned to that gong. But they didn't quiet down, not really. They were uneasy. You can feel them inside you when they're uneasy. I think that's why I'm scared of them. They make me feel like I'm not human as I thought. Like I wanted to put my back hair up and snarl. Yeah. They were uneasy that night, all of a sudden. Gao glared at us as we came up into the lantern light. She's getting worse, he said. She's lonesome. That's tough, said Bucky Shannon. His gray-green eyes looked like an owl's. He swayed slightly. That's sure tough, he sniffled. I looked at Gertrude. Her cage is the biggest and strongest in the tank, 
and even so she looked as though she could break it open just taking a deep breath. I don't know if you've ever seen a Kansen. There's only two of them on the triangle. If you haven't, nothing I can say will make much difference. They're what the brain gang calls an end of evolution. Seems old dame nature had an idea that didn't gel. The Kansens were pretty successful for a while, it seems. But something gummed up the works, and now there's only a few left, way in the deep swamp country, where even the Venusians hardly ever go, living fossils. I wouldn't know, of course. But Gertrude looks to me like she got stuck someplace between a dinosaur and a grizzly bear, with maybe a little bird blood thrown in. Anyway, she's big. I couldn't help feeling sorry for her. She was crouched in the cage with her hands, yeah, hands, hanging over her knees and her snaky head sunk into her shoulders, looking out, just looking, not at anything. Her eyes were way back in deep horny pits, like cold green fire. The lantern light was yellow on her blue-black skin, but it made the mane, or crest, of coarse-wide scales that ran from between her eyes clear down to her flat, short tail, burn all colors. She looked like old Mary Misery herself, from way back before time began. Gao said softly, She wants a mate, and somebody better get her one. Bucky Shannon sniffled again. I said irritably, Be reasonable, Gao. Nobody's ever seen a male Kansen. There may not even be any. Gertrude screamed again. She didn't move, not even to raise her head. The sadness just built up inside her until it had to come out. That close, the screech was deafening, and it turned me all limp and cold inside. The loneliness, the sheer stark, simple pain... Bucky Shannon began to cry. I snarled, You'll have to snap her out of this gal. She's driving the rest of them nuts. He hammered on his gong, and things quieted down again. Gao stood looking out over the tank, sniffing a little like a hound. Then he turned to Gertrude. I saved her life, he said. When we brought her out of Hannock's wreck, and everybody thought she was hurt to live, I saved her. I know her. I can do things with her. But this time... He shrugged. He was huge and tough and ugly, and his voice was like a woman's talking about a sick child. This time, he said, I ain't sure. Well, for Pete's sake, do what you can. We got a charter, and we need her. I took Shannon's arm. Come to bed, Bucky darlin. He draped himself over my shoulder, and we went off. Gao didn't look at us. Bucky sobbed. You were right, Jig, he mumbled. Circus is no good. I know it. But it's all I got. I love it, Jig. Understand me? Like Gao there with Gertrude. She's ugly and no good. But he loves her. I love... Sure, sure, I told him. 
Stop crying down my neck. We were a long way from the light, then. The cages and tanks loomed high and black over us. It was still. The secret, uneasy motion all around us and the scruffing of our feet only made it stiller. Bucky was almost asleep on me. I started to slap him, and then the mist rose up out of the darkness in little lazy coils, sparkling faintly with blue-cold fire. I yelled, Gow! Gow! The vapor snakes! Gow! For God's sake! I started to run back along the passageway. Bucky weighed on me, limp and heavy. The noise burst suddenly in a deafening hell of moans and roars and shrieks. Packed in tight by the metal walls, and above it all I could hear Gertrude's lonely, whittling scream. I thought, somebody's down here. Somebody let him out. Somebody wants to kill us. I tried to yell again. It strangled my throat. I sobbed, and the sweat was thick and cold on me. One of Bucky's dragging, stumbling feet got between mine. We fell. I rolled on top of him, covering his face, and buried my own face in the hollow of his shoulder. The first snake touched me. It was like a live wire, sliding along the back of my neck. I screamed. It came down along my cheek, hunting my mouth. There were more of them, burning me through my clothes. Bucky moaned and kicked under me. I remember hanging on and thinking, This is it. This is it. And, oh God, I'm scared. Then I went out. End of section one.